Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. The second week of January 2021 has come and gone, leaving Graham McMillan and I wandering among the wreckage. But whatever else future generations must grapple with about this week, they still will not have done the same level of grappling about the seventh and final issue of Death Metal that we do. Yes, our bet noir comes to an open quote, rousing, close quote, open quote, conclusion, close quote, and we spend 80 minutes of our two hours talking about the big wrap-up to the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapian, tie-in creators, a go-go event, and still somehow managed to squeeze in a bit of extra talk about Just Imagine Stan Lee created the DC Universe, Chainsaw Man, Future State Batman, and four volumes of Judge Anderson, The Sci-Files. As always, we welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, hello. Hello. You know what's weird? What? We did uh, an episode last week, and yet somehow this still feels like the first episode of the year. You know what? I have to say you're right. And you know why, Graham? Lack of closure. Lack of closure. Because in our discussion last week, which it, it does seem weird that that was last week and 2021, uh... There was there was a crucial question that I realized I did not ask. I, I think I think it's safe to say that it has been a very t- very tough week for the world, and I think in part it is because God, Graham, yes. Why didn't they cast John Travolta in Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with the Bee Gees as the third movie? Like you know, he signed to a three movie deal. With Stigwood Productions, Grease, Saturday Night Fever, both of which are huge, and then Minute by Minute with Lily Tomlin? Really? Like, think about it. Wouldn't you rather see Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with John Travolta? I mean, he could sing. With the Bee Gees, not, not Peter Frampton. No one wants to see I, Peter Frampton. I am going to say that I think you're wrong. <clears throat> I do not want to see... Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with John Travolta at all. Why? Well, because you've seen Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, so... Yes, exactly. There's so many reasons where, mm-hmm. where let's be honest, I don't think anyone would want to see that film a second time. Right. Uh, and I say that as, like, a stupidly big Beatles fan. Yes. <laughs> I was like, well, the worst comes to worst, at least the songs would be good. And then, like, you know, fucking... God, I've forgotten his name, the old dude. Who was an Oh God. What's his name? Oh, I know, but I'm not going to tell you now. Uh, George Burns. Yeah, George, yeah. Like, he, he, like then he gets to it, and it's like, oh, oh, shit. What does he sing? Uh, uh, doesn't he sing? I could be wrong. Doesn't he sing "Fixing a Hole"? Oh, really? That'd be amazing. The only one, and again, I have not seen it because I'm You've always tempted. No, 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 no. I haven't. I haven't. I don't All, think anyone's ever d- deigned to stream some, it. It's on some streaming service. Well, sure, Graham. You say that, but I it is shocking. Saw it, like how last many. year, did you? Yeah. Oh, you didn't see that in the last conversation? So the first time you saw it was like last year? Yeah. Oh my I, god. You know what was super weird about that? I have read the Marvel Comics adaptation of that film. Oh my Vertical. god! Oh my god, you didn't say that either! Oh my god, yeah. Graham, 
No I wonder. Read the, I read the comic adaptation of that film years ago, it, but I only actually saw the whole film last year. Because it, it's, it's on something. It's Amazon. It's like we never had the conversation at all. Uh, is it on Prime Video? No. It I, might be on Prime Video. Yeah, I let me see if it's on Prime Video. It's on, it's on something. No, it's, a, it's, it's all on... rentals, I think. You can rent that there. You can rent it on YouTube. It doesn't... I don't know if it's streaming in any... Where? Well, actually, they make it sound like... It's, is it on Netflix? No, it... No, it's it's that on Netflix. Yeah, it's so funny. They're like, it's on Netflix! And it's you're looking at a thing from, like, two years ago. Uh, you are currently able to watch it on Showtime. Oh, that might be it. Maybe I can't. That, that I, might be it because I got I got Showtime to watch the circus when when I was the election. Uh, well, let's see here. Who with the what now? Where's it? I thought it said that, but now I'm like I can't. Uh, this uh, site I, that I'm looking at. Is I'm trying to find who did all the songs at, on it, and it, it they're not telling me. Well. I will tell you this. I do know that Steve Martin did Maxwell Silver Hammer, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. I, okay, so here's something else we didn't talk about last time. It feels like there was a period where Steve Martin was just saying yes to like random movie appearances. Mm-hmm. Because, and I say this, the film I'm about to mention is a film I love dearly. But why does he also show up in the Muppet movie? Oh, well, I, I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, uh, I think, yeah, I mean... Steve, I mean, that's so on brand for Steve Martin. I mean, Steve Martin did, like, the jerk. But, I mean, I remember him, like, on The Muppet Show, like, the show. So it sort of makes sense that he would do the movie. I mean, there's something where Steve Martin... I mean, this is a guy who, like, played the banjo, juggled, you know. He was a performer at, like... The Muppet Show, the Muppet movie, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and he's only in it for like the the waiter sketch. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. But I mean, but it was also supposed to be a star-studded cavalcade of people in the Muppet movie, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's just it like it's every time I watch the Muppet movie, which is more than once, uh, I I do. I'm always surprised when he shows up because it's always like this is the weirdest thing, and it's the same with with uh, him showing up in in Sergeant Pepper as well. Fixing a hole. He does fixing a hole. There you go. George Burns, not George, Steve Martin. George Burns plays uh, Mr. Uh, Kite. Mm. For the mm-hmm. benefit of Mr. Kite, it's about him. Mm. Uh, Frankie Howard does mean Mr. Mustard. Uh, it's 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 weird. No, uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is is in there. Uh huh. Like it it's yeah. Here comes the sun. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest. It's the weirdest film. It is a it's a film where they're like, we'll do Beatles songs, and it'll be inspired by the Beatles, insofar as we'll say that. But it's literally none of the Beatles vibe to it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, of course. You know, it's supposed, such supposed a... to Phantom of the Opera. Mm. No, not uh, Phantom of the shit. What's it called? Paradise. Phantom of the the theater. The one that's got uh... Paul Williams. Yes. What is that called? Phantom of the Paradise, isn't it? Phantom of the, yeah, it's close to Phantom of the Paradise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is great. I gotta tell you, we're we're minutes into this podcast, and it's and and normally I'm the old dithering one, like you know, ninety eight percent of the time. Phantom yeah. of the Paradise was made in seventy four. Yes, Holy shit. Came I out did same... know. I did know it was written and directed by Brian De Palma, but every time I see that, I am always surprised. I know it. it is kind of a shocker, right? Came out same year as Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, Came out same year, and same year as The Wicker Man. So there's, it's actually the trifecta 
of horror movie musicals. Um, and my only interaction uh, with Edgar Wright uh, on Twitter was I asked him which one was his favorite. It was Phantom. It was I such a stupid question. Yeah. It, Phantom of the Paradise, hands down, is his favorite, which makes sense. It makes sense, you know? Sure. I honestly thought it would have been Wicker Man. You know, I was kind of holding out hope because, of course, because I adore the Wicker Man. Anyway, 74, a banner year for the horror Thank musical. You. Yeah. I yeah. saw one born in 74. Thank you. Oh, oh. And that's another reason. Or are they interconnected? I'm like, I can't wait. Like, <laughs> like, like Rich what, Johnston, have I got a story for you? Graham McMillan, the hidden horror musical from 74. Uh, I, I appeared in the same month as Jack Kirby's OMAC. <gasps> According to uh, the internet, I actually appeared in the same day as Jack Kirby's OMAC. No. Yeah, really? apparently Jack Kirby's OMAC came out on my birthday. Like, literally the day of my birth. I'm silent did, because... Did I'm... I just blow your mind? Yes! Yes, but I have to admit, I, as, as much as I love you, my first... It was like you're an like, almost horrible... Like, so you, you come, grinding, you come second. Yeah, <laughs> grinding envy. I, I swear to God, I was like, fuck you, Graham McMillan and your OMAC having birthday. Are you serious? Did you just find yeah, that out I, now? No, no, I, I, like, I've known that for a while. Okay, have you known it since... You've titled certain blogs after. Yeah, no, no. Yes, yes. I've known it since before then. Okay, so was that your weird? No, no, not at all. Yeah, I did. I apparently, I, I, because here's the thing. I'm not sure if that's true, right? Because the release dates of comics, yeah, honestly, Mm -hmm. like the mid '80s is kind of sketchy as shit. Wait, you mean mid '70s? No, I mean mid '80s, like actual release. Days, sorry, like, sorry. Did you say until days? the mid eighties, or did you say in the mid eighties? Because I heard I meant, I said I I think I said since, but I meant like beginning in the mid eighties. We started to have. Oh, like, I see. Okay, got it. Company. Okay, all right. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. This is a Graham McMillan who was born in the mid eighties when John Burns Omac came out, which I think was was that the early 90s was that like i, 90, I think it was the late 80s i think it was like 89 hang on let's look this up john burn omac uh john burn omac was apparently 91 mm. and wrong? then yeah. and then there was a, it's cartons there was a collection in 2009 yeah, no i mean maybe. you know i it's I okay know. talking about mm-hmm. uh, early 2000s mm-hmm. comics featuring john burn do you know what i read this week I'm sitting down. No, what? Just imagine Stanley creating the DC Universe. Oh, God. Oh, and I God. read all of them. Wow. All Graham. of them. Wow. The reason for this is, I think I've told you before, that I am on DC's Digital Complice. Right. Which means everything they release digitally, I get uh I get access to sort of right to, I got access to yeah yeah and I, volume I two just copy. came out for like the a, after yes, like volume not, two just came out this week yeah yeah uh, and I was like oh I bet that's <laughs> terrible and that literally I bet that's terrible translated into what if I just read all of it oh grand and I did wow I tell you there's bits of it that I really liked mm-hmm. tell me after, tell me more I liked the the uh, Joe Kubert illustrated Batman. Hmm. Hmm. I, I like a lot, despite the fact that the costume is like ridiculous. 
it, it because it's, it takes like the Batman idea very literally. Yes, right. Like it's a man in a grey figure t- hugging bodysuit with bat wings and a bat head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a very. I mean, it's all of them are are almost cliched Stanley origins. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right? like he's basically redoing his greatest hits. Yeah. Okay. And in in redoing the character names, their greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Batman is Wayne Williams, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, there's something about it I found like charming as shit. Mm-hmm. That is this guy who refuses to to bow to the local mob, and so the mob frame him, and so he goes to jail. And when he's in jail, he gets buff, and then he comes out and seeks revenge. And I was like, this this is actually great. <laughs> It's it's sort of terrible shitty pulp, right? But it completely works, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the very first one. And I was like, maybe this these are going to be great comics, and they're not. No, they are fucking not. Right. And there's the appeal really is not Stan, you know, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. The appeal is the artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've got Joe Cooper, you've got John Buscema doing the Superman issue. Oh yeah, which I love. Uh, You've got Jim Lee doing Wonder Woman, which is fine. Like, it's early 2000s Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the backups, in the backups, you've got Mike Kaluta, you've got Kyle Baker. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you have, I think, Cor- Richard Corbin's in there as well. Mm. Like, you know, you have you have a great lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Ordway does Justice League of America, um, which in a sort of very Stan Lee twist, but also a great twist, mm-hmm. by the end of the story, they're like, JLA doesn't stand for Justice League of America. It stands for Justice League for All. Mm. And I was like, that's actually kind of great. Right, right. Like, they're, they're, that's legitimately great. That That's a really good idea and a really good way of keeping the initials and getting rid of the nationalism part of it. That's right, that's right. Um, but, you know, and I, there are also, everyone has an alliterative name. Mm-hmm. Shazam's basically the Hulk. Mm. You know, like, it, it very much is, you know, Stan doing what Stan does. And Let's be honest. It's probably ghostwritten. By I was him. about to say it wasn't it. It's it's kind of Michael Uslan so, and so Stan doing it, right? According or? to the credits, uh huh. Stan or someone ghostwriting for Stan does the main story, and Michael Uslan scripts over a Stan plot for the backup in each issue. Hmm. hmm. Um. Judging by the different, judging by the backups compared with the the leads, mm-hmm. I don't think Uslan wrote the leads. Hmm. Uh, but I also, I mean, I I find it very difficult to imagine that Stan was writing the leads either. To be honest, <laughs> uh, I sorry, I just think that the way you're phrasing is like that. That should be the actual title of the volumes. I find it very difficult to imagine Stanley <laughs> created the DC created universe. The universe. Yeah, um, I I I. This is one of those things where like I'm going to say something that I'm convinced is true, and then people are going to be like, I think you'll find it wrong. Like when I I was said that I was convinced Rich Johnson ghostwrote Marvel and he was like I fucking didn't I really did not ghostwrite Marvel. Um, ghostwrote Marvel I barely... at Marvel for Marvel. Wait, wrote... oh, no, Marvel the the Bill James. Oh, written. Marvel. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. I'm yeah, yeah. The Bill James. Really? I was convinced Rich Johnson ghostwrote that for Bill James, and I said that on Twitter, and like multiple people are like, no, he really didn't. Um, oh. I'm I'm relatively sure mm-hmm. that. Peter David and Gail Simone both did ghostwriting mm-hmm. for Stanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not they did a lot of ghostwriting and so much ghostwriting to basically have written these comics, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. But also, I would be, I mean, honestly, shocked. 
mm-hmm. to discover that Lee had written these comics. <laughs> but they're but they're also very much written in the generic Stanley style. Yeah, sure. But yeah, the, you 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 get them to look at them in the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Batman one is great, and and there's some nice ideas. His Superman is kind of fun, a fun issue as well. I thought so um, as well. And and what's nice is um, there was is so funny. There was like a page or two because it was it's very it's very very late in Basima's career to put it mildly. And I there was a panel of Superman who is like blonde, uh, standing with his cape in front of a council or something. I was like, God damn, John Basima still has it. That's beautiful. That looks like something out of Flash Gordon. Well, and then I later oh, found oh, that exact panel in Alex Raymond's Flash Gordon. Like, John Basima was just like, da 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 yep, That looks good. Yep. Yeah, that's worth uh, keeping. Also, I, I didn't know until this collection that um, Basima didn't design the costume. Adam Hughes designed the costume. Oh, uh, right, right. Oh, that, and which maybe is that the case for all of them? I think all of no, them just I, no, because there's various design sketches in the back. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but he, Adam Hughes definitely did design work for Superman, mm-hmm. and Adam Hughes draws shit one of the books i can't remember which yeah that's... there's some of them and and honestly they do kind of there's so together. many of them john, anyway john Byrne draws the robin issue mm. um and it's it's john Byrne's art really went to shit at some <laughs> point <laughs> i i mean i think so i think so but that's you know the thing that's so depressing about john Byrne, as as discussed in baxter building mine and your 50-episode read-through of the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Foregram, currently available on our RSS feed, uh, <laughs> is, that, is that the more that I go back and revisit John Byrne's work, I really have those moments of like, ah, I, ooh, I guess I like this. You know what I mean? Like, I keep going back further and further and further. It's all but me picking up, like, that issue of Space in 1999 and going, yeah, this kicks ass. This kicks ass. Thank God. You know, but, like, there's, but even the Iron Man, the Iron Fist stuff, which I adore, like, or the Marvel team-up stuff that he did, you know, some of his, like, early mid-Marvel just as he's transitioning into the X-Men, I'm I'm like, oh, it's so good. And then I'm rereading it. I'm like, it's it's okay. I mean, but, it's but, all right. I mean, you yeah, know? but like this stuff in, in the, you know, Just Imagine Stanley. Right. Open brackets, not Stanley. Close brackets, Inventing Robin issue. Yeah. It's not even good. I believe it. I totally believe it. Like it's, it's, it's shoddy. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the, I yeah, I read that. Topic. Hey, we did comics. Um, yeah, I read that this week, and uh, I <laughs> I kind of regret it. <laughs> yeah, I would think so, man. Hey, I read that. Um, you know, speaking of hey, I read that. Uh, I I kind of wanted to talk about because because I I feel like we'll we we may have differing opinions on it. The final issue of Death Metal. Uh, came out as far as i know i believe yes, it's the final yes, issue it of death metal yes, yes it, it did come yeah uh it prompted me i i suspect you like it a lot more than i do mm-hmm. uh it prompted me to reread all of death metal see and i suspect any extent to which i like death metal might have to do with me not doing that so yes well, I, okay i'm not sure that's true because hmm. i like it more having in the aggregate the yeah yeah 
it, as an aggregate reread, or can you split the yes. difference on that even? Okay. However, uh-huh. my starting point was I'm not sure there's any reason for this comic to exist, slash this might be the most inept, terrible uh, <laughs> event comic in a long time. That's the starting point for your That's reread. In other words, when you first like finish six, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, seven issue seven. Oh, so, right. I keep 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 because forgetting. you keep forgetting because yeah. let's face it, issue six is practically filler. Yeah, completely. One of the things that comes through on the reread is for well, many things, but issue six essentially serves no narrative purpose, mm-hmm. which is insane <laughs> considering. There are crossover issues which are essential to the plot, Oof. and yet issue six of the actual series right. accomplishes nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the end of issue five is all of the heroes preparing for the big fight with the Batman who laughs, and the end of issue six is all of the heroes preparing for the big fight with the Batman who laughs. Now, do you think that that was a weird scheduling I think uh, in the I sense of them don't. being like vamping because it is death metal honestly, did land like this week and then all the future state stuff or at least the first wave of future state stuff. It was interesting going right from death metal into the one or two future state books that I picked up. Um, I don't know because okay. one of the things is because when I say I reread death metal, I reread death metal and like most of the crossovers. Mm. Like I read, what did I read this week? Because I like I did this in the last couple of days, Jeff. Yes, I read all five issues of Death Metal, plus Death Metal: The Last Fifty Two, War of the Multiverses, the last story of the DC Universe, The Secret Origin, uh, Trinity Crisis, Speed Metal, Multiverses End, and Rise of the New God. Oof! Wow. Mm. Like so, I missed one, two, three, four. I missed four of the crossover books. Mm. But otherwise, I read like I read fourteen issues of Death Metal. Boof, boof, boof. Wow! And one of the things that really like well, and we were saying this when when these books were initially coming out. Mm-hmm. Death Metal structure is fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that there are important plot points that happen in the crossover books, mm-hmm. and not in the main book. Mm-hmm. Like, Trinity Crisis, to all intents and purposes, is an issue of Death Metal. Yeah. But when Death Metal is over, I can now say that Rise of the New Gods is genuinely pointless. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, that, you may or may not remember Rise of the New Gods, but it's the James Tynan written book, which made me think, oh, it's important to the main story. Right. It introduces the Chronicler from the Omniverse who comes to basically pay attention to the last days of the DC multiverse, and then goes, oh, this multiverse is worth saving, and meets Metrion, and Metrion's like, let me prove to you it's worth saving. It ends with it to be continued, and that does not continue. You never see either of those characters again in the remainder of Death Metal. Mm. Mm. But they do they do pick up that point a little bit clumsily in issue seven. Um, do they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we'll Ooh, have no. to talk uh, because because the chronicler isn't connected to the hand, aka the oh, laziest. Oh yeah. Of- well, that okay. Just disconnected to that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like the secret origin mm-hmm. is 
on the one hand integral to like the plot if you're paying attention to the plot mm -hmm. but also serves no narrative purpose mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it's important to plot if you wonder what happens to the to the batman who sorry the darkest knights 50 evil 52 worlds right because they're dealt with in secret origin uh. and there's a reference to it in one panel on death metal issue seven right but the the reference is a visual reference of superboy prime <laughs> as opposed to any textual reference what happens to those 52 worlds also after the secret origin the last 52 came out mm -hmm. which now all of a sudden last 52 doesn't relate to the 52 evil earths but characters from the 52 evil earths who somehow survived it even though superboy prime demolished those earths and made sure they never happened like in the wow. issue that came out before <laughs> like what the fuck yeah seriously and so the last 52 literally picks up from the cliffhanger of death metal issue six but again narratively contradicts death metal seven mm. Mm. you see superman die in the last 52 mm -hmm. and he's still up and running mm -hmm. in death metal seven mm. hmm. <laughs> right? wow wow it's, it's a mess wow it's genuinely a mess it makes no sense so because we were we were talking this before, and I was like, it's one of those things where the the crossovers will have to be included in the, the collection. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll be like, what the fuck happened? For many of them, it kind of shouldn't be included in collection because you'll be like, well, this makes no sense. Right, right, right. This is this is why is this even happening? Do you think they'll do a? Because I feel they'll like they always do omnibuses. Well, I'm um, um, the buy. Um, but do, I was going to say, do you think they'll do a two volume? Because they've done this before, right? Where it's like the main story, like metal, death metal in one volume, and then all the death metal tie-ins in the other volume. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I, which I mean, it's kind of ugly because, of course, it. No, but I'm, I'm fairly sure they're going to end up doing that. They're going yeah. to do like they'll probably do like three collections all told because there's also five issues of Justice League in there, mm. and all told, like twenty three comics. Wow. So it's probably going to be like all the Scott Snyder Grecopolo stuff. Yeah. And then all the one shots and then the Justice League stuff, probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, it's I I don't I don't fucking know. Um okay, so explain to me why you liked issue seven. Okay. So everyone who has not read it, it's it's kind of got to be full spoilers. I apologize. Get ready to skip. I'll put it in the show notes and blah, 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 blah. But um, because uh, as you and I very briefly said, uh, you you had mentioned you you'd given me the heads up uh, last week about it off air. Um, Matt Turrell checked in and was kind of like, dudes, what the fuck? Uh, and <laughs> which I mean, to be fair. He picked up issue seven, having not read anything that came before. Can you imagine uh, that? Wow. I, yeah, I was going to say, I can't, I mean, I genuinely can't imagine what you make of this comic. Yeah. Because even for someone who has been following this entire series, mm -hmm. issue seven is teetering on the brink of incoherence. Well, okay. So, so what I like about it is... Um, you know me. I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for ambition, and because I'm not exactly bright, I'm very very grateful when someone is willing to hold my hand and walk me through the subtext. And as you pointed out in the emails between you, me, and Matt, you're like, 
the subtext is literally text in death yes. metal all, and all in death the metal is yeah. subtext and meta text yeah exactly exactly so uh so for me part of me is like you know if we're gonna have these goddamn events the idea of having these goddamn events literally be the reason why we're having these big events i mean at that point it's like it's really true meta text, you know, the whole idea that crisis energy, um, those who've <laughs> listened to us very carefully, you know, someone, uh, uh, and I should have done the research, but a very generous uh, listener on one of our comments threads uh, pointed us to a fan theory, which seemed really solid, that was uh, essentially that, that uh, death metal was about DC was about DC essentially that that the that it was about the current state of DC in which everything is literally overshadowed by Batman and Batman more or less forces everyone and everything to to kind of live in its shadow the idea that the the need to have a constant crisis this crisis energy which more or less allows them to exist in the present, um, a.k.a. through sales, uh, at the cost of the destruction of the past and the future, is, you know, let's put it this way. This certainly, that person, and I'll link, try and find it and relink to it in the show notes, should definitely be doing a victory lap because there, it is so explicitly laid out in the course of death metal the final issue what i weirdly like about it were a um a couple of things that i found sort of semi-funny there were moments that i found funny um there were odd moments that i found kind of uh strangely affecting and, and moving but weirdly enough the thing is is at certain points um because the the story is this final issue in in the realm of absolutely unbelievable is the idea that Sergeant Rock is the one who is narrating it in captions that we later see him jotting down in the little book uh, that that is Carter Hall's journal, which is one of the big MacGuffins at the beginning of of Metal. Um, I think, as I recall, unless it's the previous. Yeah, it, it's it's the it's the MacGuffin at, of metal, not death yes. metal. Yeah, yeah, of metal. So, um, it is that that at one point there's so he's talking with perfect knowledge of what's going on inside Diana's head, and Diana has in crafting a, a needing a weapon to be able to fight. You know the Batman who black who the the noun who verbs he she constructs a golden armor of built from her 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 lasso the the lasso of truth so she is fighting she is literally fighting armed with the truth and the batman who laughs is is not as they fight there's a couple of things going on wonder woman is um, aware that 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 the Batman who laughs is essentially stronger, you know, and 
eventually, more or less, she wins by... Well, because at what point, what happens is they go back to the beginning of the universe where the hand, the, the you know, the symbol of, of DC's universe being created, the very first image, that hand reaching through... Um, is arriving and it's Perpetua's hand. One of the things I did like is the fact that Wonder Woman hits him, hits the Batman who laughs in the face with it. Is like she kicks it, she kicks him in the face with the hand of creation. Like that's just really funny to me. There's little bits of that that are just so de- clearly, deliberately over the top that I find funny. But oh, at- there's so much of of. of- death metal is deliberately over the top yeah, yeah yeah exactly i mean and you know but kind of in it you know vacillating quickly between deciding to be you know kind of epic and kind of deciding to be kind of um dumb. just dumb and funny yeah, yeah like yeah don't, don't i don't mean dumb in a pejorative i mean yeah, like they're exactly they're, they're really just like yeah intent as this is ridiculous yes exactly exactly you know like the the Batman who's a dinosaur, for example, every time he pops up, you just know that that is that that kind of that perfect modulation of fearsome dinosaur who's also Batman. Hilariously stupid idea. So uh, so basically what happens is the the did they ever come up with a better name from him? I keep calling the Batman who laughs the darkest night. It's there we called go. The darkest. Night, Thank you. So. Yes. At that point, he's the darkest night. The darkest night says to says to Diana, look. These people are going to show up and they're going to rewrite everything. And none of this is going to have existed. And none of this is going to have mattered. And, um, you know, essentially you've got the truth. You can see the truth, look into the future and see. And, and Diana does, and she sees that he is right. And one of the things I think is kind of interesting and again, not subtle and, so it's the sort of thing that I'm sure you picked up on and did it did not move you. But for me, there's a point where she talks about like kind of sort of like what was the point? What was what was the point of all this fighting and et cetera, et cetera. And all the idea that all of our stories meant nothing. Right. And I was kind of like, oh, oh. Oh, oh, okay. Like for me, there's that weird, like Scott Snyder, of course, is it, you know, really does figure out a way to ostensibly write in a way that is him figuring out how to personally connect with this stuff. And one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting about death metal is the idea that Scott Snyder is like, I've got skin in the game because, or rather more to the point how do we as comic book creators continue to create in horrible, deplorable, exploitative circumstances? You know, like what is the point of creating when it's all just going to be wiped out and it doesn't mean anything? Now, you know, Snyder, who, you know, has written from the point of view of as, as Grant Morrison um, amusingly called it the depresso verse you know depression is like a real kind of serious thing i mean there's also a point where not long after essentially wonder woman punches uh the darkest night through to the final bit of the universe as it's more or less collapsing and 
you know, has the moment to sort of shove his face in it. Uh, and and literally does. Like, it's the end of the universe. And well, she's also punched. She also, like, when they go back to the start of the universe, it's because she's been punched to the start of the universe yes, earlier. Yes, that's right. And then like, she punches him back to the end. through time. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and the way that they, the way that they do that... It's not surprising. When she's punched backwards through time, she's punched backwards through, I would say, essentially the new 52 conception of the universe. And then when she punches the Darkest Night forward, she punches him back through what we, you know, you and I might call the DC universe in the sense of it's very explicit that, you know, as they're going backwards, she passes Vandal Savage. There's Etrigan and Camelot doing his rhyming thing. And then when they go forward, it's the Legion of Superheroes. It's the Justice Society, the references to the round table and the thing. And, and the the first, you know, the arrival of the first super person is Superman. They get to the end of the universe and... And, you know, there's a there's some stuff that's in there, Graham. There's some stuff that's in there. I mean, I don't know. Did you see that article? And this could just be where these pieces start working for me is, you know, there was this uh, interview with this uh, astrophysicist who's written a book. And I don't remember her name or the name of the book, but she was essentially her book is about how the universe ends, essentially, and the current theories of it for in you know in in the world of astrophysics and she talks about the idea because because the universe uh the the one thing that is somewhat uh frustrating in a way i suppose is that the way that death metal talks about is the end of the universe is the way that we kind of commonly think of it you know that it essentially all sort of collapses in on itself and and melts out but you know the idea is that the universe is expanding faster than gravity can uh, contract, and in fact, it's going faster than the previous models of the universe. Our understanding of the expansion of the universe—that it's expanding faster and faster in ways that we don't understand—and and they talk about like what happens if the universe, you know, it continues to expand so fast that reality itself begins to rip apart or anyway, the basic gist of it is things aren't necessarily like, I mean, it's happening on a super large scale thing. But one of the things that always struck me is the interviewer talking to the author was like, well then, so what's the point? You know, is there a point to life or existence is that you know essentially is that all there is is it just you know the universe expands all of us all die out every atom every possible you know the whole law of thermodynamics whether it's second or the third all the chemical transactions and heat transactions happen to the point where there is just entropic expansion nothing essentially connects anymore and then that's just it it's just a drifting dead graveyard universe um the person was like so how exactly does that basically has that you know made you feel more nihilistic you know and she's like well the author was like uh i don't think so but i can certainly understand anyone who does feel that way you know, and for me, I kind of had, <clears throat> had that moment myself personally of like, wow, so there, so what if there is no point, you know? 
There's another thing in death metal that, again, connected with me in this final issue. There's a lot about uh, essentially truth and lies. You know that at, that there's a page there's, where there's a lot about truth and lies. Yeah, there's truth and lies, and I think also more importantly, survival. You know, there's a point where the darkest night is basically saying, "What's important is to survive." You know, this I'm just trying to keep this universe surviving, and if you help me, Diana, I will. I will help. I will. Give me your power. We'll have enough. I'll overthrow the hand that are showing up. I will save. I will give your friends a little. You'll have a pocket little universe where everything will be unchanging and fine forever. And but but it's there is something where, you know, again, there's a little bit of the and this is a thing that I think that people who have depression issues kind of think about is separate and apart from the idea of life is the horrible essential unfairness of life you know what i mean like part of the way in which the world exists is literally at some point things get energy from other things and once it begun begins moves past the realm of chemicals to something like sentience to to what we truly think of as sentience you know there is essentially this compounding of of cruelty that is you know inherent in nature and what matters at that point is survival and there's a lot of people who just find that untenable when you are depressed that seems um it almost seems better not to participate in that system than to participate in it you know uh and and so there is a little bit of like well so this is my essentially even though diana is representing the truth and the darkest night is representing the lies it's it's really kind of in in its own way the other way around you know it's diana in wrapped in the 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 armor of the lasso of truth that really is in her way kind of bullshit and but she is it is the bullshit of people who crank out comics to make a living and to survive but but the inherent in snyder's argument is the idea that there is more to that 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 Oh, and that's the other thing. In the beginning of of issue seven, he talks about part the the battle that is going on is all of the heroes of the DC universe versus the darkest nights, various incarnations of them, the where they are stripped of their silly ideals, and so therefore are stronger. In other words, it's kind of an extension of that Batman who laughs point the the whole the whole idea behind metal that that Batman is the guy who always wins and therefore in the universes where he essentially loses by winning, by taking on the aspects of the, the worst things um, the the superheroes are fighting against that. And at the end, there's a, there's towards the end of the issue Snyder has in one of these little closing uh, captions, I think at least before the, the, the epilogue pages, about the idea of about the battle between who we are and who we hope to be. And 
There is something in there. All all told, these things actually kind of, I found kind of a moving. There's a page where Superman is speaking right before a party starts. And there's a bunch of people that are in the crowd. And I'm like, okay, those look like DC staffers to me. Like, you know how you get that weird, like, that's those when, are clearly when, when real look, people? Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, and it's just like, okay, those are DC people, editorial people. And again, there's also something kind of weird in like, this is, this whole huge statement is happening, you know, at probably one of the worst times in DC's history. And, and maybe DC may be, uh, it may not be over yet. You know, um, I don't know. Did you see that those statements? I almost never clicked through on this, but like Twitter had something, the whole Jason Fabok talking about uh, uh, essentially like not, you know, they're, he's not at DC anymore, essentially. Like he's kind of like, yeah, oh. they, yeah, it's, it's a thing. Let me see if I can find the quote. Um, Cause I, I found it kind of interesting. Um I've worked for DC for 10 years, and a majority of that was when the company was run like a well-oiled machine with leadership that loved its creators and trusted them. It wasn't perfect, but there was a sense of trust and a willingness to listen to ideas. When I say the company is run poorly, it's because I've seen it run well for years. I love DC with a passion and want it to succeed, but right now, I don't think it's being run well. And it's okay to say that. Many people working... There are saying the same. For starters, they fired almost everyone I ever worked for at the company, many of which were passionate about the books and didn't deserve to go. It's okay to be truthful and call things out. I'm not an employee and not blinded to the fact that the ownership can make bad decisions. I had to make a choice and work with someone who wanted my services, and that's okay. When the time comes, I'll go back and produce more for DC and give them my all. Jeff and I have many stories already brewing. Here's the ominous last line. But things are going to change big time in comics, and you got to make moves for your future. So, um, you know, that was that was something that I read after the end of, of you know, Death Metal. And I, I was just kind of like, huh, yeah, there's something that's kind of... Uh, there, there's something that's a little final about death metal like death metal manages to do it's like everything matters and you know i don't know it, it the the meta text blended with or rather meant a lot to me because of some of the concerns are in that like you get really high and like be like well yeah if you think about it we're all Batman, you know, no, I'm not. Going... I, I was going to say, I, I feel you're giving a lot more. Uh, I think the metatext is much more coherent to you than it is to me. Right. Well, see, that's it. That's where I was like, when you guys were like, "What the fuck?" I'm like, "No, it's so obvious. Like, it's totally about the the how how can you go on in an essentially absurd situation by which it by which I mean sort of the existential absurdity of what's the point if there is no point. You know, and Snyder is sort of kind of trying to filter that through a lens of like, you know, a big comic book event. And for whatever reason, because there were weird moments where I was like, oh, yeah, that. Yeah. That being said, I don't think that metal isn't it. How do I put it in that sense? It feels like kind of a B minus version of 
the the uh, Infinite Crisis Superman special was it Superman Beyond? What's it, what was it? Oh, the the Final Crisis one. Yeah, the Final Crisis one. Yeah, sorry, Jesus, I can't believe I can't even keep them straight. The Final Crisis, the three D. Yeah, Superman I can't believe you can't special. remember which Crisis published <laughs> three years apart. <laughs> um, you know yeah, where yeah, it's Superman literally the Final Crisis one, where yeah. where um where Clark like goes into the. The multiverse and meets all the different Superman, and then they go to limbo. That that one, yes, the two parter, and the second part of which, in, in in which essentially Superman as thought form fights against evil as a thought form, and the idea that the his little armor and the three D effect, it's literally you know it's it's so Morrisonian. It's the idea of Superman having to defeat the idea of evil in this universe and being like, oh oh, this is cool. It's really happening. In real time, you know, uh, and Snyder's kind of trying to do a lot of I, his version of that. Yeah. If he is, mm-hmm. and actually I, I strongly suspect he is, mm-hmm. uh, if only for because I talked to him like when he was on Justice League and I know where his head was at with this story. Mm-hmm. So I, I suspect you're not off base with his intent. Mm-hmm. I just wildly think that everything he's doing in this book is is incoherent slash ultimately contradictory uh, oh i believe I, I do believe that and in fact i, I like where yeah. where mm-hmm. the narrative goes mm-hmm. like even even if i grant that even if i grant your reading of the the meta text mm-hmm. where the narrative goes is wildly at odds with the message then well uh, and, and actually before I, that is a good point and I, I want you to go there, and I want to add, in that realm, all of that is more or less fine up until, essentially, Diana meets a member of the Hand, and they're basically like, oh, you acted altruistically in a way that we haven't seen. Therefore, we'll, we'll like, yeah. let you off. We'll let yeah, you off no, the hook, no, and like we're going to do it differently. On, an, on a purely narrative level, mm-hmm. death metal is... A fucking mess. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. Like, no, no, no. E- absolutely. Even, even beyond the meta narrative, like yeah. when you read it all in a wonder, even though it is reading in a wonder, I realized that, like, I've, I said this before when it was coming out, like individually, I kept on picking up issues, being like, have I missed an issue? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I feel like I'm, and, and the choppiness is not there when you read it as a wonder. Hmm. Hmm. It actually holds together a lot better. Part of that is, Literally, I was reading in two sittings, and I was reading crossovers at the right time. Mm-hmm. Right, the so threads do flow. Right. However, it is a story in which nothing. It's a story in which a. I'm not sure who the protagonists are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm assuming Diana's the protagonist, but in that case, everything Diana does is wrong, and does nothing. Mm-hmm. Everything she does in mm-hmm. the comic mm-hmm. is wrong. Does nothing. There's not one choice she makes that is actually effective. Mm-hmm. Not one, which is shocking. Hmm. It is a theoretically, according to to Snyder and Capullo, it's a Wonder Woman story. Yes, but it's one story where she does nothing, and it's really a Batman story. Mm-hmm. Like even in quote unquote Wonder Woman story. All the quote-unquote cool moments are given to Batman. Of Various course. Members of Batman, helped by the fact that there's like 70 different versions of Batman. That's right. But all of the, all of the moments are given to Batman. Mm-hmm. 
there is numerous it it reads like a series of cutscenes from a video game. <laughs> yeah, because all of the big events also happen off panel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you get to see them. You get to basically see characters go. And now we're going on this quest. Mm-hmm. And then the next issue is starting to be like, they went on that quest and they found nothing. <laughs> You're like, when? What? Like, we don't see that quest? And they're like, no. The one time you see it is when Diana goes into the Dark Multiverse at the very end of the book. Mm-hmm. Which is when she fails on her mission and loses Carter Hall's journal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's what she does. Yeah, I forgot that part. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Multiple things, everything that is accomplished is accomplished by either a guest star. Mm-hmm. In almost every respect, the people who accomplish things are the villains. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Luther and the Darkest Knight are the only two characters who actually do anything, mm-hmm. who actually manage to do what they set out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's intent, like, what does anyone actually want from this story is really confusing. Do you mean the characters like, themselves? Yes, yeah. What is the Darkest Knight actually trying to do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not really clear. He talks about he wants to create a multiverse of 52 Earths. Mm-hmm. But why? I don't know. Right. Right? Why 52? Why does he want to create a multiverse? Did he mean it when he told both Superboy Prime and Wonder Woman that he'll give them their own Earths? Or didn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, is he sincere or not? Never answered. Mm-hmm. What does it mean that he is the power of a god, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why is Perpetua, who's set up as the big villain, essentially in the background in the entire story, apart from when she gets beaten up by the Darkest Knight? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did she really want to do? Mm-hmm. What did the hands want? Right. None of this is answered. Yeah. None of it is answered. On a narrative level, death metal is a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a story where, and again, I just read 14 issues of this over the last two days. Nothing really happens. Things yes. happen between the issues you read. <laughs> yes, right, right. Uh, and lots of things go wrong, but nothing is actually accomplished. Right? The end of Death Metal is Wonder Woman loses, and then the villains, or the ultimate villains who are going to undo everything, I guess, because that's what a character told us, and I guess we just believe him, show up and they're like, ah, uh, but you know, you meant well. So, never mind. Well, okay. And, Hold, but... and you get an epilogue of, and everything's gone back to normal, apart from the stuff that hasn't. Right. Well, so, but for me, and I, I agree with you, the gist that I got is, and it, it, is not in, it is not in any way shown at all. It is literally three captions. And may, maybe it sort of sounds like it's alluded to, with that new god dude one shot, but not in a very cohesive way, the hand supposedly, uh, from what the emissary tells uh, Wonder Woman, I say the emissary, the the member of the hand that manifests itself to Diana tells her is is that they create these multiverses to see them essentially to see them grow and get better, and what they saw was that. Essentially, things had turned so shockingly bad that they were just coming in to pull the plug on it. What they saw, however, was that Diana acted so altruistically. She did what they had always wanted a multiverse to do. 
and never had done, which is acted so altruistically that she still punched evil in the face, even though it meant that she would lose everything. And literally she, her friends, everyone, et cetera, et cetera. She still did it because it was the right thing to do and essentially saved them. And so because if she had not punched them in the face and had instead given into despair and acted in her own self-interest and thrown her power into the darkest night, the darkest night would have beat the hand and they would have lost. So she saved them and fulfilled what they wanted. And so therefore they decided that they would spare her and but change things. No, they decided that they would rethink all of their methods. Well, sorry, so, so like, they would no, change things in right, that universe, again, right? Right on a on an outcome level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, Diana was altruistic. Therefore, they're like, well, we won't undo everything after all, right? But the dialogue as presented is, you sacrificed yourself, which we have apparently never seen before, ever. Which is in itself, I mean. Either astonishingly pessimistic or just completely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so that made us realize everything we've been doing has been wrong. Mm-hmm. Which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But also, it's meaningless when the hands are basically a throwaway MacGuffin that had not appeared at any point earlier. Well, so th- the problem that so there's a couple of problems here. The problem is is that Snyder, after running his allegory out in super explicit terms, um, you know, essentially kind of goes, eh, just kidding. Like you know, the hand well, yeah, shows yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. They're not literally like, hey, we're rebooting because sales are bad. You know what I mean? Like that's the but, that's but the also, real reason. That's that's the other thing that like that's the other problem I have with the Snyder's bigger, you know, everything counts. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wonder Woman argues essentially in issues six and seven uh, that the only way forward is to accept the past. Right. 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 And that you can't keep rebooting everything because that is nostalgia, and you're living in the past. Mm-hmm. Instead of living in the past, you have to move forward. Right. But what he's doing on a practical level is restoring the past. No, 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 no. Exactly. Exactly. No, no, no. And and I think I will go a step further. Like, if you think about it, like you really honest to God, think about it. And this is not a spoiler since it's the cover. But for some reason, I was going to talk around it. Diana, the the hand manifests as, yeah, the as the Golden Age Wonder Woman. And is like, kind of like, this is all going to matter. And part of me is like, again, how do I put it? That doesn't, like, like the original Golden Age Wonder Woman was a superhero in that was a celebration of bondage and domination and S&M relationships as a way to cal- to create quote unquote healthy uh, uh healthy non-neurotic individuals as propagated by the creator you know who was in a polygamous relationship having sex orgies and 
a lot of the original Wonder Woman is is all about her getting tied up in various forms of, of bondage fantasies. Is Scott Snyder saying, like, good news, that's coming back? You know, like, I don't think that there's the no, idea that, like, it's, you know, the, good the, news, the, the, racism's the, now back in the DC universe. Well, well that's know? just it. Like, the other thing is, like, in issue six, Wonder Woman, like, the big climactic moment, the one moment that advances the plot at all in issue six mm-hmm. is the everything counts. Everyone remembers everything. Yes. And there's never an explanation as to what that means. Right. Right, and the the epilogue of issue seven of the the entire story is is like underscoring that, mm-hmm. where they're like all stories have been restored, mm-hmm. and they never say what that means, right? Because, like, I mean, they're literally stories where characters die, mm-hmm. and yet they're still alive in later continuity. So, if all stories have been restored, have they both died and are still alive? Right, like. How does that actually work? What does that mean? Because it means something on the meta-net level, mm-hmm. right? Because it means the, hey, fanboys, all those stories count. Right. But on in any narrative level, it's a meaningless phrase. Well, yeah. No, literally in a realistic, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, you get someone with enough weed, they could explain it, Graham. You know sure, what I mean? Sure, sure. But, but, but on a narrative level, it's they're not even attempting to explain it. No, no, no. You know, in mm-hmm. fact, the epilogue really underscores this. Mm-hmm. You know, they have things like, there are people who have died and have come back. Yes, and there are, you know, and there are multiple stories exist. And none of the characters are like, wait, who? What? They're right. just like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that later. It's fine. You know, infinite <laughs> frontier. Yeah, totally. Or, or the, like, the, the Earth is, is not the center of the universe thing as well. It's also nuts. Like, yeah. it's quite clearly, a, like, here's a future plot. But... But presented so coldly, so clinically, that it, it just reads odd. It reads really cynical, and it reads it doesn't have the infinite wonder that they are talking about. Yeah, not, you know, yeah, not like t- the end of Doomsday about, Clock number twelve. Yeah, so, right. And no, it, no, no, it, no. I'm it, kidding. It, but yeah, no, but sorry, you know we'll saying? come like, back to that. No, I know. Sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any sense of of this. This this honestly means anything. It has a sense of this is a sales pitch, mm-hmm. and while I think this night really is trying to say something with death metal, with his Justice League as well, mm-hmm. both cases, I don't think he's actually saying anything. And what the text is saying is surely contradictory to what he's meaning to say problem is like i think scott snyder is saying something or is meaning to say something but i think that what the text is saying is the opposite of what he's trying to say well i mean yes that's part of why i think the pivoting starts being more about uh, uh somewhere along the way it really starts becoming like yes the people who are trying even though the odds are impossible are the creators at DC working under management? Which I'm like, yeah, I, I I can see that. It certainly sounds like it's true, but um, you know, I mean, there, there's there's all manner of. If you look at the whole, you know, you include everything in there. There's there's all manner of fascinating things to the subtext. Mm-hmm. For one of a better way, a better way of putting it, mm-hmm. um, this I can't go over the secret origin one shot at all, mm-hmm. and the redemption of of the the character who was the fanboy troll 
Right, the Superboy you know, Prime. Right? Like, did you did you read the Secret Secret Argemon show? No, I did not. But you told me about it, and I was like, oh, I should check that out because it. because uh, so, it's basically like oh, he's always been a good boy, really. Mm-hmm. And this is written by Johns and Snyder, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, it gives him everything that he wants. Mm-hmm. He gets everything that he wants mm-hmm. at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me that because I because there is no, I honestly think there is no death metal if you take the the, the meta text out. Yes. Oh, very much. So. You know, like right. yeah. there, there's there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. This is a story which only exists for the meta text. Mm-hmm. But the meta text is really complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like if Snyder is complaining about the dominance of Batman in the the DC line, mm-hmm. then what does it mean that the final issue has again the hero moment going to Batman where he tells the Darkest Knight? Or no, it's the Robin, it's the Robin King tale. Yeah, the Robin uh, King. Yeah, slash mm-hmm. the reader because he's saying it, looking straight at the reader. We're all Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, like, except for you, right? Isn't that kind of the thing? Like, yeah, isn't yeah. that the weird point? Because there's well, also yeah. there's also a strange point where when Diana slams the Darkest Night into the Red Sun, and there's like the full page shot of the sun um, mm-hmm. with the captions around it. There's kind of a weird, it's supposed to, I don't know if it's supposed to be that way, but there's a weird eye of Sauron, like, this is the comic book looking at you uh, moment, and I'm kind of like... Whereas I saw that as a fist coming out of the the sun. Oh, interesting. But again, like, I think... But I mean, mean, that's far more metal. Yeah, yeah, but the hands Mm -hmm. as a a metaphor. Mm -hmm. A, it's, uh, it's building on Morrison's hand from Multiversity. Yeah, the empty hand. The empty hand, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But also, it's a massive retcon for DC continuity because the hands at the origin of the universe for DC were Kronos. That's, that's ex- right. That's entirely what Crisis on Infinite Earths is about. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, and, and the idea that, again, Crisis on Infinite Earths is if you basically go back to look at the origin of time, you will fuck everything up. That's right. Like, if you look backwards, you're just going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And in this one... They, you know, Snyder is in theory trying to give a lesson about the only way to move forward is to let go of the past, mm-hmm. but does it by everyone going back to the past? Well, and then restoring the past. But right, but but in a therapy context, I feel like that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like the whole point of therapy is. That you learn that the only way you get over the past is not by pretending that it never happened. Sure, and that's and that's entirely the the moral of death metal, mm-hmm. right? The moral, like death metal, is a therapy comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Death metal is the you have to stop trying to repair your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Instead, you have to move past them. That's that's. I mean, that's almost dialogue from Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, again, on a narrative sense, makes no sense. Like, her coming to that realization is not supported by anything in the book. Right. But but so much of death metal makes no sense. There's yeah. no emotional arc to death metal. Right. Other than there's Scott Snyder's emotional arc behind the scene. Right. Essentially, right. there's the, the rails of the allegory and the meta text. Yes, the, char- yeah. the characters have no emotional arc in death metal. Yeah, that's true. None of them do yeah. at all. Yeah. 
Um, death metal is, I mean, death metal is almost a parody of an event comic mm-hmm. because it has the quote unquote cool scenes and then immediately takes them back. Mm-hmm. The big moment at the end of issue one is that one room kills the Batman who laughs. The big moment of issue two is the Batman who laughs comes back stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something fucking fascinating and horrific about the fact that it is again a comic where everything one woman does is wrong Mm -hmm. but also batman just keeps telling her that Mm -hmm. like batman repeatedly keeps telling her that she's wrong and she ignores him and batman is continually right like that's weird no i mean i mean it is but that how do i put it that is the that, no, it buys into the Batman always wins thing. I well, get that. Well, no, no, but I mean, but over and beyond that, essentially, like, so Snyder is someone, and this is something that some people had pointed out uh, when Snyder moved from writing Dick Grayson as Batman in Detective to the Snyder Capullo Batman, which is kind of that idea that that essentially Snyder doesn't like Bruce Wayne very much, doesn't like Batman doesn't like the bruce wayne batman and i think what it is is he doesn't identify with him and i i do think that there is a stage over and beyond the batman destroys the dc universe because essentially batman outsells everything and warps it to snyder's conception of batman sort of destroys everything because batman is uh, is about brutal necessity, you know? I mean, that's literally, you know, his whole thing is is like, I come from trauma, I embrace it and have more trauma, and essentially it is all my willpower to survive that makes me uh, unbeatable, essentially. And Scott Snyder, I don't think, sees that. He is... The thing that is hard and weird about death metal, I mean, apart from the fact that it is, you know, not what you would call a traditionally good story, is that his point is is that Wonder Woman's failure is baked into his point, which is succeeding doesn't make you a success. It it ruins everything what makes you what what really the heart that he's trying to hold on to of the superhero thing is the you know to 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 use the phrase that the kids were so hot on a decade ago the audacity of hope you know is the idea that by having hope even when you fail like i mean so for me Snyder, and again, I've railed against this, the over-imposition of, of screenplay structure on comic book narratives. And when you read screenplay structure stuff, a lot of it is that idea of the hero tries something and fails. Or he succeeds, but in doing so, unleashes a greater threat. And so the the idea of having a screenplay be constructed in a series of ever-escalating stakes, you know, I think for Snyder, his the psychodrama is, is that Wonder Woman is the hero because she fails, and yet she does not, quote-unquote, adapt, you know? It is the, 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 there is the idea of humans 
separated from the biological evolutionary success machine that is brutality, you know, that is the brutality inherent in life. And that it be, get it goes to having a higher ideal than just surviving. So I on the one hand, I think that it would be more of a mirror. It, it would it might feel better, it might sell better, it might seem more convincing if what Diana was doing was not failing. But again, not only do I feel like that is not necessarily the important thing is is that the um in, in screenplay structure, what's important is, is that the protagonist continues to choose, continues to act and do things, not necessarily succeed, you know. So I just want to throw that out there because it does seem to me like, although I see your point and I can see where it's a thing and a thing and I'm probably being as wiggly and weaselly as Scott Snyder might be, I really do think like, no, 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 I don't. I think that those are deliberate points that are not that I see in a more generous light than, you know, Snyder's still in love with Batman and Batman's got to be the coolest. And even though Wonder Woman's espoused. Now, I will say the characters have no character to them, as you said. And um, well, I, I want you to get back to your points, but I have some other specific complaints that I would like to complain. about. Go, I go with your complaints, Jeff. I have to say, and this is the part that kills me, is reading Death Metal 7 in particular, I was like, you know, I kind of wish that Greg Capullo was not drawing this. Like, I don't think that Capullo is having a particularly great time, and he's either overworked or he's just not into it. Like, there, there are definitely times where Capullo uses... Uh, a scratchier, more indistinct line in order to convey energy. And then there's just times where he's like, I just don't feel like having fucking everybody draw everyone. You know what I mean? Like fighting everyone. Like Capullo is no George Perez. Like when you get to the two epilogue scenes, I forget who draws the first one where it's basically... It's Yannick Paquette. Yannick Paquette, like, and admittedly, Yannick Paquette only has to draw, like, I don't know, six pages or something. Um, maybe it's four. But you're like, yeah, but he draws the shit out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so glad that scene was not drawn by Capullo. Now, Capullo was probably, like, icing down his hands every night after drawing for 18 hours. But there was also kind of that idea of, like, it just... It just wasn't fun. Like, if nothing else, The Darkest Night is just Jags. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, that yeah. is the, becomes the worst villain, just in the sense of, it's literally nothing, you know? He becomes the worst villain by becoming the worst villain. <laughs> but, no, but, like, The Darkest Night is yeah. is a non-entity. Yeah. He's a, he's a boogeyman. Yeah. He, he does nothing. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the 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 one the two panels where they're scooping the brain out of the uh, doc. Uh, what did they call him? Bat Manhattan, um, you know, is that had a creepier visual than the visual that he ends up taking on. But the visual that he takes on is kind of uh, it's really easy to tell artists to draw in the crossover issues. And it's it's sure the fuck not putting Greg Capullo out any, but there was just lots of it. There were lots of shots where everything just kind of seems like, um, 
Capullo's last couple of issues in particular seemed very... Way more tiny. Secret Wars 2 than Secret Wars 1, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and, and it's funny, at one point he actually like made some sort of tweet along the lines of like, burning the midnight oil to stay on schedule. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you are. Yeah, exactly. You are, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, bless him. He, I guess he he made the schedule for all of it. But right. yeah, you're, no, you're right. Like that. There's, I have. You're much more on the Kapoor train than me in general. Mm-hmm. But the, these last couple of issues have featured. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of fucking over the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo team, team in general. Sure, I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and honestly, I think I kind of was even before the story, the series started. Oh, I, I don't. I never got the sense you were much into them as a team. As you know, I always quote unquote was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, some, but somewhere through metal, of course, was where I think I felt like I was souring on Snyder first. And I was like, eh, because even then I felt like Capullo was moving towards something where I'm like, okay, it's not necessarily, you know, my jam per se, but I can appreciate, I felt like what he had had a lot of um, cartoonist zap to it, you know? And then in some of this stuff in, in death metal, I was like, or is it just a shortcut that looks like a cartoonist zap? You know what I mean? And a cartoonist zap, of course, is a phrase that I just made up. I don't even think I've used it on the podcast or have ever put that <laughs> together. So I understand if nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. But, you know, artists do r refine their lines. And some of that is age, but some of it is the the glory of cartooning is putting the pencil down on the page and how much evocation you can put just into a line just by it being you know yours and of course is is you know Graham, way better than i would do sometimes you get more energy by by drawing less or or the speedy faster thing has a lot of energy to it because you can you can sort of see it you can you can sense the energy and speed that went into the drawing and it, it's got it has a kineticism to it and I was like, yeah, this is, uh, bleh, eh. you know, like the last couple of issues of, of Death Metal were kind of like, it's sort of like if he was told to draw like Jim Lee and Scott Williams. And he was like, what if I just draw like Scott Williams? What if I just draw like Scott Williams inking over nothing? What would that be like? You know, my own little Zen exercise for the day. So. Yeah, Graham. So, so I have to say, there were points where I was like, "Man, it would have been nice if this was either a little more delayed and arrived looking prettier, or bless his heart, like Greg Capullo is no Stuart Eminen." You know, I mean, I ha I say that I I remember Stuart Eminen, like I was like, some of your storytelling choices are bad here. So you know, whatever. Uh, that was <laughs> you're, you're like I just I just don't like any of them. I don't like uh, any of them. I hate comics, Graham. Uh, I do want to talk about a comic that I adored before we go. So, but wait, I can, uh, I can buck are, that are down the line. Death metal just, just like, are we done with death metal just being terrible? I think so. I think so. I, 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 I yeah, I, I will say like, I, I read all of them knowing that we were going to talk about it. I, it is more coherent when I read all of it together, mm -hmm. but I don't think it became any better. Yeah. Yeah. No, if anything, I think I actually got more annoyed with the writing. Oh, I believe it, yeah. 
because there is just an element of well, no one does anything in this story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we just get lots of, and I'm, I still, and I think always will remain annoyed at how it starts with the in media res, but the you know there's a lot of of stuff to like. There's a lot of exposition in those first couple of issues. Yeah. Like, yeah, so all reality ended, but you never saw it, but we'll tell you about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, in terms of things that go nowhere, and so why did you fucking do it? Mm -hmm. All the Dr. Manhattan stuff is just nuts. Yeah, right. Well, in that sense, I I don't know, reach back, but I I don't remember if it happened. It probably happened during the period where we were off slash... um, uh, talking about Wonder Woman 84, but the final issue of Doomsday Clock hit DCU Universe, what, two yes. weeks ago or something. So yeah, yeah. I finally finished that thing. And it's interesting because, of course, in a way, that means it lands, you know, two weeks before the conclusion of Death Metal. And it, it's interesting how much they they both parallel one another. And- yeah, and how, how much, uh, especially... I mean, there's actually a textual reference to in Death Metal to the end of Doomsday Clock not being successful. Mm. Is there? There's actually, yeah, there's actually text in there about how Doctor Manhattan tried to fix things and failed. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, huh. which I only got on the rereads, and I was like, "Oh, that really is fucking interesting." Also, Death Metal is such a so referential to all the other DC crossovers, it's nuts. Mm. Uh, to the point where I'm rereading it, and I was like, "Oh, it starts, and you like you see the different versions of the characters." I was like, "This is fucking Flashpoint." Mm. Mm-hmm. We have the altered versions of all the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Barbatos from Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. You have all the metal callbacks, but you have uh, the Crisis and Infinite Earths callbacks. You have Infinite Crisis with Superboy Primes surprisingly important but only if you read all the tie-ins role mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's right yeah exactly um I, another crazy thing about issue six that you have baby anti-monitor and dark side show up literally from out of nowhere mm, i think i forgot because that they, had, mm-hmm. they had been brought in and then abandoned like an issue or two earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading all all together again, I realized how absolutely worthless Speed Metal is as a crossover issue. Mm. Um, but also the Speed Metal underscores that Death Metal has to happen after the end of Josh Williamson's Thor, uh, Flash run. Mm. Which is nuts, because again, that run does not have any time to exist. Mm-hmm. Because... Year of the Villain goes straight into the last Just League issues, which goes straight into Death Metal. Mm-hmm. But there's a year's worth of Flash comics in there, which have to have happened. Right. For for Speed Metal to make sense. Right. But literally cannot have happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a mess. Death Metal as a whole is a mess. And it sounds terrible, but I think I'm just glad that we can all like move on just move on from well that isn't that what i think to me and that's the other part that's fascinating is that for all intents and purposes doomsday clock and death metal more or less are the same event in the sense that they are i mean ultimately i i'm convinced both are uh, refutations of dan didio but also in the sense of there are also these super big you know life-changing cri- dc crisis event changers that the 
everyone else ignores and more or less can't happen within the continuity of the rest of the ongoing books. Like, yes, and also for that matter, don't change anything. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's true. No, but really, what does death metal actually change? Well, I mean, I think it what changes... What does death metal actually achieve? Uh, apart from arguably writing Wonder Woman out? Right, right. But beyond that, what does death metal actually achieve? Well, I think the same thing that was already achieved in Doomsday Clock. The, if nothing else, the Justice Society and the Legion of Superheroes come back, right? Except they were yeah. already back. Well, okay. But they were. The Legion of Superheroes came back in the Superman book, and Justice Society came back in the end of Death Metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of Doomsday Clock, rather. Right. Right? Yeah. So what does Death Metal actually achieve? I don't know, other than it moves the Batman who laughs off stage. Mm-hmm. But the Batman who laughs has only moved on stage to tell the story. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know narratively what the story does. So mm-hmm. in terms of like events, mm-hmm. you know, like Crisis ended the multiverse. Uh, like in terms of, you know, the, the grand scheme of things, death metal is as consequential as Millennium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, wouldn't you say there's a point at which cro- the crossovers change from a this is how we're tying things off to a this is how we're teasing the new status quo? And so it's like, oh, but, but again, Roman's disappeared. Death does that in the epilogue. Well, right. But that's what I'm saying. Right? Is, is, but but I even th- then, yeah. it doesn't like, you're, you know, it, it does the same as, as Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. Because death, all death metal does is undo what it had done, i.e. the destruction of the multiverse. Because multiversity has already said there's other multiverses out there. Right. Well, like no. Like right. already canonic in, in the DC continuity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right? Right, yeah. So, like, again, doesn't do – it does this thing because they say it does this thing, which right. is what death metal does all the way through. Yes, exactly. It's someone talking at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For you know, seven slash fourteen comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just someone going, "No, this matters. No, this matters. Why does it matter? Because it matters. Because it's important." But it doesn't. It doesn't. There's for all that I think you are again right about the meta text in terms of what Sky, Scott Snyder's intending. I don't think there's an emotional story to Death Metal. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's an emotional arc for any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like the, the the mythology, again, it doesn't achieve anything that wasn't already there. It just undoes its own problems. So, what does it do? Right. If you take death metal out, are you removing anything? <laughs> you know, that's that again. That's that weird that weirdo tapestry of. You know, oh, but Wonder Woman, or ah, the Force Wall, or oh no, the Elseworld, or again, this idea that they have the heroes and villains working together on the same doodah thing. You know, sure, just like Final Crisis did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, did Final Crisis have that as yeah, well? Yeah, Final Crisis ends up with uh, like all the superheroes have fallen except for Superman, and so it's only the supervillains who stood up to Libra in the first place um, are there to fight with Superman. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, there's nothing. It doesn't. It's not additive. Mm-hmm. 
it's entire like death metal is weirdly hermetically sealed right right it solves its own problems but its own problems were created for this story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like you get to i mean even if you get to the end of uh whatever the fuck it's called hell hell arisen i think it's called like the the, the end of the infected storyline before death metal right right you know the batman who laughs at dead created like evil versions mm-hmm. like the end of that all the the you know infected superheroes aren't infected anymore either right so nothing like mm-hmm. there's no fallout right there's no fallout to any of it mm-hmm. uh and it, so you are just like okay so i've like i followed this story and i genuinely can't see what has changed because theoretically Everyone remembers everything that's happened from Death Metal. Mm-hmm. But other than Wonder Woman, who actually, like, has changed as a result. Right. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, as you even get in the, the epilogue to issue seven, mm-hmm. where you see, like, Sergeant Rock back in World War Two being like, well, that's the end of this wacky adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, no, he should be fucking traumatized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, Sergeant Rock was... I shit you not, at one point, basically eaten. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And he's like, well, then I go back to World War II, and everything everything keeps going on. Yeah. World War II is much more serious. And you're like, no, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and the other thing is, and I was saying this to you last week, uh, off, off recording, the, the two-page Sergeant Rock epilogue. Mm-hmm was the quote-unquote secret one mm, that mm-hmm. DC were like, there's two epilogues. One of them sets up Future State, and one of them sets up, we won't tell you, shh. And the Sergeant Rock one sets up shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's Sergeant Rock being like, yep, then I got home. Guess I'm writing this in a, in a journal. Well, and here's me with the Justice Society. Right. And I was like, okay. Uh, but is and- it... Right. Is it supposed to be the whole idea? And again, this is so DC. It's like, guys, Brian Hitch drew this. Guys! I think it might be, or it's like Sergeant Rock is fighting with the Justice Society. Like, it could arguably be that. I think it Uh, is, I I will say this in terms of, again, weird narrative problems. Uh, Sergeant Rock is writing the end of Death Metal in World War II Mm -hmm. in Carter Hall's journal, which all the DC characters had at the end of Metal. Yeah. So, A, shouldn't they have known all of this was coming? Mm-hmm. Right. No, exactly. It tells the and whole B, thing. Yeah. B, Lex Luthor actually has that journal in Death Metal. Mm-hmm. And he talks about reading it. Mm-hmm. So if he read it, surely he knows how this ends. Because you see <laughs> Sergeant Rock writing the end of Death Metal in yes, the journal. Yes, in the journal. Yeah, no, I agree. Years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. I believe me, believe me. Um, it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> it's it's yeah. This this whole fucking comic. <laughs> that should be that should be the name of the episode. This whole uh, fucking yeah. comic. okay. Before you move on to a comic you like, I just want to continue about comics that like drove me up the fucking wall. Sure, please do. Um, I read all four volumes of the Judge Anderson case files. Oh, yeah, you'd mentioned this to me in passing. Yeah, 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 go. So, And it, 
I, I read them, A, because I was like in a sort of dread mood. Mm-hmm. And B, I was like, I want to read these and see if we should do them for Drog. Right. And we're not going to do them for Drog, Jeff, because I like you. <laughs> Jesus, uh, really? Yes. Because the first volume is half Wagner Grant mm-hmm. doing, like, honestly, like, fairly good, never as good as Dread, but, like, fairly good Judge Dread world stories. Mm-hmm. Like, the first one is literally Judge Anderson versus Judge Death. Right. Right? And then the Wagner Grant partnership splits up and Grant takes, you know, ownership, quote unquote, over Anderson. Right. And that's terrible. Ooh, really? Because everything we don't like about the Grant stories in. in Dread. Uh-huh. That, but so much more so. Really? It's, I, I mean, I'm genuinely floored by how low my estimations of him as a writer went. Really? Jesus. Before I read these books. Not helped by the fact that he clearly decides that he wants to make grand statements at some point in the early 90s. And the editors should have leapt on him and said no. Well, I felt like part of, for the most part, most of what we didn't like about his dread stuff after the partnership is kind of the opposite. So how does he manage to do a, all all of, all of his weaknesses in terms of like pacing and, Mm -hmm. you know, honestly inability to tell an interesting story Mm. are there as well. But then he's like, what if Judge Anderson was abused as a kid? Oh. And then the first time she ever used her powers was to kill her abusive father. Oh. Wait, no, I want to tell a story about religion. But but God didn't create the world. It'll be aliens, and they're coming back. No, fuck it. Satan's <laughs> come. And <laughs> Satan's going to show up. And then Judge Anderson's going to have like a, a – she's going to have a standoff with Satan. That'll be great. Wow. Okay, yeah, she'll do that. No, Judge Anderson will quit being a judge because she's realized that the judges are inhuman bastards. And she'll go into space to find herself, but no, I'm bored of that. So she'll just go back and they'll be okay with that. <laughs> that happens. Jeff, really? That happens. Holy judge shit. Judge Anderson quits being a judge, goes into space, uh, hilariously, because apparently no one thought to actually redesign the outfit, still wears her judge outfit, except the eagle is replaced by a second shoulder pad, and she adds uh, a yin-yang symbol onto her belt. Um, she sends postcards to the judges, not a joke, and then she's like, fuck this space shit, I'm going to go back to join Mega City 1, maybe they weren't that bad after all. <whistles> yeah, and all the judges are like, that's okay. Wow! Like literally, have, like dread show up at one point and be like, "I don't think she should be allowed back." And the, uh, one of the judges uh, is like, "No, she's the best psychic we've ever got." <laughs> wow, it's, that sounds horrible. That sounds terrible. really traumatizingly it's, bad. It's really bad. <sighs> um, and yet, like you get Grant trying to go, "Yeah, the judges are bastards," but she's still with them because, you know, I don't know. That's what the readers want. Mm-hmm. And so you have like judges, like her best friend commits suicide because judges are bastards and then she's fine. Mm. You know, or, or it, it's just, it's, it's, it's like, it's a mess. It's a mess. And it just keeps going. And on one hand, I'm reading and going, well, at least the Arthur Ransom art's lovely. <laughs> and then I'm going, you're fucking wasting Arthur Ransom. In this yeah. What a shame that, uh, that art must be lovely. Ugh. Uh, um, yeah, it, it's 
it's really bad. Uh, <laughs> there's a great part where everyone starts talking about how Anderson's 50, and so she's getting over the hill. What? But apparently no one's told the artists that Anderson is 50. Yeah. Because Anderson looks the same age that she always has. That's... Um, it's just... Huh. It's... It's foul. <laughs> was there anything good? I mean, story-wise, was was there any uh, sort of like, oh, this is pretty the, decent? The early Wagner Grant stuff is great. Uh huh. The early Wagner stuff, Grant stuff again, it's not up to dread standards, right? But it's Wagner Grant in like you know eighty three, eighty four. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it just moves along great. Um, and honestly, beyond that, no, <laughs> it's it's not. It's Holy it's just how. Like, the best it gets is, like, you're like, oh, that's not actively terrible. Wow. Shit. Wow. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's really shockingly disappointing. And and also hilarious that it moves such a clip, because obviously Anderson didn't run continually. Like, Dread runs continually and is running two books. Right. So the case files are going, like, at this point, I think six months, are, uh, you know, in terms of published material mm-hmm. per volume. Mm-hmm. And... I I didn't realize like that wasn't you know that I mean I kind of realized it wasn't tracking, but you go from Chief Judge Silver to the uh, Chief Judge that comes after Magruder in the same book. Wow, really? And I was like, oh shit! Of course you're that like that fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also one of the things I like very much about Drock is that we realize that like Wagner does have. Are, like he's playing a very long game in, in terms of Dread's characterization, mm-hmm. but Dread is not just a bastard. Even by the point we're reading, yes, right? yo, definitely. Mm-hmm. There, there's, a, there's a, I wouldn't go as far to say like empathy or sentimentality to Dread, but like he has a heart. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 bury my knee wounded heart mm-hmm. story is, is is that's the point, right? Yeah, and Grant cannot let Dread do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so Dread is a cardboard cutout every single time he appears mm. and so like Anderson fucks off and comes back and Dread's still like you betrayed the law and it's just it's it's ridiculous mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know because every time that happens and it happens more than once I'm just left there going yeah but that's not Dread mm-hmm. like that's that's not right that's that's a that's bad writing for dreads that's right. not who he is the character yeah yeah and it's from grant yeah right god i mean part of me is it's rare that you actually talk about terrible stuff and i'm like i want to read that but i'm part of me is like man i kind of want to read that you know just because so, like, yeah there's so much yeah, like so. i'm kind of tempted to say yeah read like volume two of the case files oh that's really which, funny which is when it sort of goes off the rails mm. Uh, like volume because it it's because it does like go along so long that like volume three and volume four volume four especially is like relatively recent like within the last 20 years huh wow um but volume i want to say volume two is when it's, it does start going off the, the rails and it's just in you can see where grant is trying to be ambitious and trying to make like a grand statement but in so many times when he does it he does it terribly wow like you just missed the mark entirely. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's rough. That's really yeah, fascinating. It's it's uh, it became a masochistic read. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it does. Are you kidding? I read oh, comics. I know like, totally what that means. I want to see this through to the end. 
but you know it's not good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, Graham. Where can you go from there, I wonder? Well, I, I have one last thing that I want to suggest to you, but it entirely depends on when we're doing the next drop, and have you started reading Volume 20 yet? I have not, no. Okay, so here's my suggestion, and I'm making this... What not? Jeff has no idea that I'm going to suggest this. Yes. And if he says yes, I kind of feel bad for everyone who has read Volume 20. What if we don't for the next drop? And what if you jump ahead and read something really recent? Because something else I read this week was I reread Titan. Mm. Which is the Rob Williams Henry Flint. Yeah, no, we can't do that, Graham. We can't do that. That's cheating. That's cheating. Why not? No, I'm not not saying, like, we'll abandon everything else. I'm saying we jump ahead for one episode. Nah. See, if we start start jumping ahead and doing the good stuff, then we'll never come back to... No, we will, because it'll be a one-time thing. No, no, no. That's... See, Graham, you have willpower. I can understand why you think that would happen. I don't. It's like... There's a specific reason besides the fact that I think it's really good. Yeah. It's that... I said it when we read Inferno. I feel like the Titan cycle of stories is basically taking the idea of Inferno, but doing it well. Right, right. And we're just a little past Inferno. And I kind of would love to see what you think of it. Uh, you know, let's let's let if you don't mind. I mean, I assume there's no reason why we can't do Volume Twenty. Let's. Let's do Volume 20 and then revisit, right? Or will it be too late by that point? Hmm? My one reason for saying it is, like, my analness is like, why don't we start the year by doing a jump ahead? Which, honestly, is, I think I've just become future state. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't know. I I like the idea of that. But, um, okay, so let's not. But, like, just have it in your head, I guess. I, I, I got to admit, I would like to do something like that. I think that would be great. Like, I see a lot of Dread stuff. I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough to be on the 2000 AD reviewer list. So when stuff comes out that's new, I'm like, oh, I could click and download this. And I have those moments like, and, and stuff that I've accumulated from sales where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm schooled enough in Dread that I could sit down and read this. You know, but um, if nothing else, I kind of want to see the continuation of America in a way, because every time I pick up a 2000 AD thing, I'm like, whoa, 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 can't be reading the legacy of Benny Beattie or whatever his name is, their their name is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take it under advisement, Graham. Let's just say that I'll take it under advisement. Damn it! I, part of me is like, I <laughs> see if you just if you just agreed to do a judge to, to watch the movie and us review the movie, I, you probably could have had a little more. Plus, we haven't even really reviewed the pinball game at all, Graham, and that's that's kind of a loss, you know. That's I mean, true. We haven't reviewed the pinball game. <laughs> the pinball game is I haven't I haven't revisited since doing Drock, but I'm like, huh. Yeah, I mean that's kind of got the I mean, it's we're way past it. Let's put it that way, I think. I would have to see when it came out, but I think the Judge Dread pinball game is like um 
maybe takes place around like the fifth or sixth case file, you know. So I was going to say, I feel I feel like it's got to be like the early. 80s, it's right? it's yeah, it's early eighties. Um, you know, they did a job with it, but man, they you know because you have the you have the all the dark judges pop up is pretty much the big um, multi ball event. Um, and it, oh boy, what a fucker that is. So, you know, and there's a few little references to Cursed Earth and things like that. It's super, it's clearly super early. Let's put it that way. Um, and I, and I would say that Dread's also not especially well-written as a character in the pinball game. So, you know, that's just me. But at the same time, it's a pinball game. Yeah, dude, it's a pinball like, game. It- no, but I mean that in sense of, like, it's not a strip written by one of the co-writers of our favorite series <laughs> of Judge Dredd. That we know of. No, I know. I agreed. Agreed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still, though, part of me is like, yeah, the Judge Dredd mm, pinball game. Uh, Graham. Jeff, I, tell me about the thing that you love. I'm not. I'm not, Graham. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it in a couple of weeks because it makes sense. I'm sort of halfway through it. Oh, now I'm curious. What? Well, okay. So what it is. I had read, liked, and wandered away from Chainsaw Man uh, last year. And I think maybe it made my best of list. And I really did like the first three, four, five chapters. I don't remember what I read. Anyway, Abe started reading it. And his posts about it on Tumblr were like, I was like, holy shit, I should really reread this. And I started rereading it. And I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Not continuing to read this. So I'm up to like chapter 60 or 61. At, you know, there, there, there were 90 plus installments before it ended. So I'm like two thirds of the way through. And it is mind blowing. It is mind blowing in a, in a great way. It's a astonishingly good comics um and so part of me is like eh, i don't part of me wants to go and rant and rave about it like literally like i finished a chapter last night and i started um uh dming adam nave on twitter telling him he should read it uh because it's such a uh you probably don't remember me talking about it because i don't think i dropped a lot of time on it but it is it's it's kind of an insane it's an insane fight comic and it's just so superbly well done. Uh, it's a the the opening conceit is uh it's it's about a 15 16 year old kid who is forced to kill devils um to pay off his his father's gambling debts and in the course of doing so the his only friend the only thing he has going for him is this cute little chains puppy with a chainsaw coming out of its head that is a devil um but is his friend and uh, basically what happens is they get brutally killed um by the gangsters that they're working for they double cross them and kill them but essentially the chainsaw devil goes in and saves the kid uh denji by essentially becoming his heart and bringing him back to life. And so Denji now has like a little chainsaw pull cord in the center of his chest. When he pulls it, he turns into Chainsaw Man, which is a dude with a chainsaw for a head, chainsaws coming out of his legs uh, and fists, and basically jumps around and cuts open devils. And it seems like that is going to be, the first chapter or two is going to be like a, 
I'm going to kill devils and and life's going to be like a big hoo-ha adventure, which it is, but it also isn't because essentially he gets involved in the larger scope of the world. He, he, uh, he falls in love with the the mysterious but awesome woman who is one of the division heads of the government's devil hunter department and she recruits him and he's basically like i i want to do this because i'm in love with her so because he's sort of a street gutter punk who's had a bad life he is ridiculously happy to be doing things like sleeping inside and eating three meals a day and he gets an uptight partner who's like you got to take this job seriously because it's going to kill you and he's like oh hell with that i'm just here to have fun and this girl likes me oh wait maybe that girl likes me in that way that i don't think you necessarily are uh, um, has schooled in the ways of manga, but it starts off being very much a kind of like one piece, you know, where it's kind of like, sure. how do we get characters that the kids are going to identify with? Well, they like eating. He likes sweets. You know, he likes jumping around. He's, you know, he's kind of irascible. Uh, uh, real early on what happens, maybe chapter two or three, I don't even think I read this far, is he gets a fiend as a partner and she is called power power is basically a sort of devil human hybrid more more devil than human i have to admit the mythology has me very confused but essentially it's in a world where humans can make contracts with devils and in return for being given um powers the contract also takes something very powerful for from them so there's a lot of people who are running around who like uh you know may have lost their sense of taste in in exchange for being able to summon like the stone devil or the this one woman 84 you know well so yes and no because of course wonder woman 84 is like whatever you wish for but um but it's more like the idea of like there are people who get who get their powers rather than a wish and rather than like giving up something it's it's more of a like oh they've got eye patches or they might be missing an arm or you get the sense that they're one leg shorter than the other some of them who've made the big contracts only have a few years left to live and the cartoonist just goes fucking fantastic places with it the it is hands down just an astonishingly beautifully well-drawn series and interestingly enough it feels very american comicsy to me weirdly like there's times where it sort of feels like you know if david lapham and jaime hernandez were collaborating on a keith giffen written you know comic you know there's weird stuff where it's like I I know that I'm like a manga dilettante, but I look at it and maybe it's because I'm like, oh, there's probably stuff like Bleach that I haven't read where this ties into. Or I can kind of see where there's a little bit of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventures in the sense of you have the characters and then you've got their super-powered entities that they summon in the battles when they're fighting against one another. But there's also a lot of it where I'm like, I don't know. This this person seems to me like they read a lot of Frank early good Frank Miller stuff, you know, in mm. terms of the storytelling or like this drawing looks more to me like Paul Pope or 
Jaime Hernandez than it does like, you know, uh, I don't know, Toriyama, you know, or so it's just it's a it's it's a stunning series. And as it goes on, the thrills of the verve of the storytelling and the cartooning and just the endless inventiveness, like I'm right at this series, like in the late 50s where characters end up going to hell and what's fabulous about it about it is uh like death metal it makes no sense but unlike death metal it becomes incredibly satisfying at that level like hell hell should be chaotic and so there's just a sense of like dread and terror and and things suddenly changing for no reason and just just imagery that is not necessarily what you would call traditionally disturbing, although part of that is he did such a great job ramping up through that. But it's it really is fabulous. It is kind of like Abbe was sort of like, yeah, I feel like this is really being slept on. And I'm like, no, I've, I've seen people talk about, in fact, I may have been part of why I wandered away from Chainsaw was I was like, holy cow, these first four or five chapters. And everyone was like, oh yeah, absolutely, man. Chainsaw, that's the best. I was like, oh, okay. Everyone already knows about this. I, <laughs> Every, yeah, yeah, I uh, whatever. Uh, hey, you guys, Legend of the Overfiend. Take that, posers. I liked it back before it was cool, by which I mean it scarred me for life. So <laughs> uh, so anyway, Chainsaw Man, it's available on the Shonen Jump app except for Chapter 60. And that's the other thing, is it's weirdly more uh, explicit than most other Jump... I'm shocked. Like, Part of me is like, is this running in a different series and they brought it to sh- the Shonen Jump app? You know, a different manga series? Because it is, even though it is very much within the Shonen Jump realm, which is to say, you know, the main character's 16 and it's all about jumping around, punching people and eating stuff. At the same time, there's ridiculous amounts of blood. I got up to chapter 59 in the app and, or no, 58. And suddenly I was like, wait, it just went from 58 to 60. And I'm like, those bums, they forgot to upload it to the app. And then I started looking around and was like, no, no, you can only read it through the web reader. You cannot literally read chapter 59 of Chainsaw Man in the Shonen Jump app because... Is that, ba- that violent? No. It, it's, it's, it's not that violent. I mean, it no more violent than the rest, but the chapter spread is literally lesbian scissoring. And it's... and and. For people like me who are like, I told you Legend of the Overfiend was influential. It's it's also lesbian scissoring with like monster girls. And it's uh it's it's it was it was amazing. It was it was a two page splash that I flipped the page and I was like, oh shit, oh, oh wait. Like literally in that weird like they could they didn't run this like did they like there's other scenes where you've got characters <laughs> m- a little more skin than I'm used to they seeing would. in manga. Yeah, no, I really had that moment like, ah, wah, uh, like it's deeply, deeply, you know, like kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, that period of Chris Claremont and John Romita Jr.'s X-Men, Uncanny X-Men. And you're like, man, people are bleeding a lot, you know, and it's like kind of that black blood, but it's like, yeah, 
things are getting a little intense and a little extreme. It'd be like if you turn the page and there's like, you know, Aurora and Callisto like scissoring. And you'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know. In other words, X-Men as, as Claremont really wanted. Exactly. Exactly where I was going with it. Yeah. So more like uh, X-Men Forever or what was that weird series where like. That was X-Men Forever. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, what's the scene where they end up in the hot tub with the, literally at that point, Callisto has tentacles in it and is, oh, God love God love Chris Claremont. I mean, in a may not technically be appropriate way, but holy God. Uh, so Chainsaw Man, I'm not finished with it yet, but it is staggering. I've literally read something like 60 chapters over the last week. Between it and Death Metal and Future State Batman, I was kind of like, this has been a pretty good week for comics. Oh, I also, um, Rick, and I'm so sorry, Rick, I don't, know your last name or i do and i don't have access to it because you never posted on twitter he printed a page from untold tales of punisher max issue two it was just like two pages and i was like what the fuck is that untold tales of the punisher max volume two uh, issue two where the devil don't stay written by jason latour Drawn by Connor Willemsen, W-I-L-L-U-M-S-E-N. It is a one-shot in which a uh, rural southern f- crime family manages somehow to, to have captured the Punisher. And the family more or less tears itself apart in the process of trying to figure out what to do with him. Most people want to kill him. Others want to essentially sell him to bigger crime families to take care of the debt that has been incurred by the Punisher destroying essentially so much of the stuff that they're running. But the main thing is Connor Williamson. Part of it is the way that it's written, which Latour does a good job with, but it is drawn like a son of a bitch. It is it is very much a kind of um underground comics version of the Punisher and these characters, but not in the not in the, you know, Bigfoot and Dongs kind of way, but more in the you know, unholy love child of of Josh Simmons and Richard Corbin kind of way. Deeply, deeply effective. It was a really strong issue. That, so, so, and then Batman Future State, which I goofily, God love, uh, my, my brother gave me um, a uh, gift card to Comixology, which was good because I might have used up the gift card that you Grand McMillan gave me for Comixology, <laughs> which thank well, you very much. Good. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, well, I got some crazy money. Why not? Just sitting here. There's no sales going on. I'll pick up Future State Batman number one for a horse choking amount of money. And uh, I really liked it. I know that you were like, hey, that art, you just can't beat that Nick Darrington art. And it's true. That art was Fabulous. And, and the colors and Tamara Bond villains' oh, colors. Yes. Like, holy shit, that's a good looking strip. It is. But also, like, the, out, the outsider strip in that I think looks amazing too. Uh, honestly, they all did. I, I, I like the outsider strip. 
I was shocked. I was like, I like this Arkham Knights title. Like, it was really oh, weird. <laughs> I know. I know. Believe me, normally Paul Jenkins is like a super big flag of like, Jeff will not like, Jeff will not like. And I got to the end. I was like, oh. You know, was, you know the weird thing about Arkham Knights is it kind of made me think of um, 2000 AD for some weird reason. It was very... I think that's an appalling insult. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think Arkham you Knight, didn't like this, Arkham Knight this very is much. genuinely, uh, like, I compliment that's actually an insult. <laughs> Arkham Knight is great in that it is very reminiscent of the Pete Tomasi, Brad Walker stories that it is spinning out of. Mm. But that story is, like, a, a very boring story. Right, right. Hmm. Well, it worked for me. So overall, the thing that's amazing is I have to say uh, it seems a little weird that we talked about this without talking about the state of the country. Although I have I don't know if I can really talk about the state of the country, but yeah, it was it was a hard week. So, yeah, so it's been a hard week. So I was kind of shocked by how much or maybe it's just the opposite. You know, maybe it should not be surprising that I was like, man, these comics are pretty good. Wonder how many of them I can read before my eyeballs fall out of my head and I crawl to bed and I can fall asleep as quickly as possible rather than thinking about what's happening right now in the country, you know, so maybe that's it. But but yeah, kind of a good, for me, definitely one of the better weeks of comic reading between Chainsaw Man and and everything else, like I said, right down right down to 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 the the tire fire that was Death Metal 7 tire fire i i'm i'm glad you had such a positive week i you know i didn't i was about to say you read just imagine stan lee and four volumes of judge anderson and then all of death metal all over again weirdly enough like all of that left me uh excited about comics really and i can't explain i couldn't tell you why Mm mm-hmm but it was like, oh, I, 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 admittedly, I want to read other better comics. <laughs> but still, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there is something where I'm like, okay, cool, comics. Yeah, great. Right. I'm into it. That's excellent. That is, I mean, I that's good. I, I, am. Yeah. I am. I am. I am. I am very. I am very enthused about it. I am very, very, very excited for the comics I had. In part because I didn't like. I read a bunch of the Future State stuff ahead of time mm-hmm. because uh, DC actually put comps out of it. Before it's Christmas, right? Uh, I like a lot of the future state stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, I got to tell you, um, I, like I said, I like the Batman. I just read the Swamp Thing, which I know that you had spoken very well of, and I I thought that that was actually pretty pretty well put together as well in many ways. I do have. Have you to, read the Wonder Woman? No. No, and which is weird because I could have sworn that I bought it, but then I think maybe I talked myself out of it, and now I'm probably going to talk myself back into it. But you should, you should talk yourself back into it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Joel Jones Wonder Woman, I think, is one of the better of the Future State books. Right, right. And I, originally it was like, okay, I'm going to get the Batman one, I'm going to get the the Swamp Thing, and I'm going to get Wonder Woman. And then at that point, I was just like, oof. This, I'm not made of money. And, of course, everything went on sale after I was like, yeah. sure, I can spend, 
you know, $7 on a Batman comic, I won't even feel it because I've got all this money left. And then literally the next day, I'm like, son of a bitch, why is everything on sale? God damn it. So, yeah, I got by, Graham. I, I know you're not too worried about me. Uh, For the benefit of Mr. Kite, there no, will be a show no. tonight. No, it's your fault. I've got it stuck in my damn head. It's all you. No, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 it's, okay, I do think I do yeah. think if you can find wherever it's streaming, you should watch it. Uh, not because it's good, because it's not, mm-hmm. but because it's it's of such a flavor. Mm-hmm. That I think you'll literally go, oh, I feel like I've seen this already. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, it would be great if, like, partway through, I'm like, wait, I, I did see I this. Seen this. I completely yeah. suppressed this I'm memory. I'm surprised it happened. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it, it's not a movie that comes around to the theaters very often, I have to say. You know? For like, so many reasons. Yeah, exactly. See, that's it. People are, like, literally, like... I would rather watch The Apple than Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You know what I mean? Like, there's people who are like, I will literally have an ironic fan appreciation club appreciation for Xanadu than I will for... Xanadu, now on HBO Max. Oh, Oh, Jeff, I have a film on HBO Max that I want to recommend to you, and I want to know if you've seen it or not. Have you seen The Dead Don't Die? Yes, I have. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the Jim Jarmusch one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I got to say, I was not a fan. However, uh, I did think that for me, there's a little bit of the allegorical part of it that I kind of liked, uh, which is to say for me as a movie that's really about global warming, I thought it was pretty good. As an actual Jim Jarmusch zombie movie, I was deeply annoyed. And you? You liked it, it sounds like. Uh, I, well, I just saw it today. And honestly, my thought was, it's what happens if David Lynch is given the job of adapting a Kurt Vonnegut film. A <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut book. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's actually a really good take on it. I can see the Vonnegut. Vonnegut's a really good uh, good way to pin it. Yeah. No, I really did not like it, though. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah. Are, there were a couple things I loved about it. Tell but me. I don't want to say what they are because I feel like they're spoilers for people who haven't seen the film. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, one thing, one of the things I do like that isn't a spoiler. I love that every now and again Adam Driver will just like acknowledge it's a film. Yes, that's so funny. I figured that was going to be the part that you were going to because there's a final scene with that payoff that I think is kind of uh, kind of well done. Um, uh, yeah, the, I think it's the payoff scene that is the thing I don't want to talk about because it's a spoiler. But yeah. like. I laughed my fucking head off because <laughs> it's so out of any nowhere. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's just because uh, also the cast list of that film is insane, isn't it? It's really astonishing. Like how? Yeah, and almost just, to the point of wasted. Uh, yeah, in some cases. oh, it, it really does. It really yeah. does waste. So for people who haven't seen this, it's on HBO Max. It's Jim Jarmusch doing. I mean, honestly, like a ridiculous throwaway zombie film. Yep. Uh, but the cast list is Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Chloe Sevigny, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, uh, Rosie Perez is in it, Iggy Pop's in it, The Riz is in it, mm-hmm. uh, Carol Kane's in it. Mm-hmm. Carol Kane's in it for like two lines? Yeah, the something Riz's like in that. It for two lines. Mm-hmm. Um, like Tom Waits is in it. Yeah, Tom Waits. Yeah. yeah. Selena Gomez is, wait, is it Selena Gomez? Selena Gomez is in it too, yeah. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's, I, I, it's nuts. 
Mm-hmm. It, I, I, I can only imagine the cast list is like that because it's Jim Jarmusch and not honestly for any other reason. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate. I would think that's accurate. And I could not escape the feeling the entire way through that like Jim Jarmusch had done it because he lost a bet. <laughs> well, I mean, again, I, for me, I'm kind of, it's funny because, of course, afterwards he's like, yeah, I don't really like zombie movies. I'm like, yeah, no shit. But... But that is, I think, its appeal for many people. For me, like I said, the thing that I really like is how much it, to me, is about global warming. Where essentially, oh yeah, I know it's. I, I yeah. love like they, they don't, you know, it's not even subtle. Yeah, right. Characters all the way through are like, yeah, this is because the Earth has shifted off its axis because of fracking. Right, right. Like and things the, are you know, bad. What are you going to yeah. do? Uh, I don't know. We should we should take care of that at some point. And then something hideous is happening to them, and they're like, "Oh no! How did this happen?" And I and I do like tying that so strongly to our current day thing. But also, part of me is kind of like, yeah. I mean, like again, it's that thing of like Jim Jarmusch being stoned watching The Walking Dead and more or less um, backwards reverse engineering a George Romero film. And I'm like, yeah, great, hooray, you know? Like yeah, that's... no, I, I, I really liked it, but I liked it and couldn't help but feel like I was watching someone's, like I was watching a joke. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. You know? But it it does like there are parts where I was just like this really feels like the closest I'm ever going to get to David Lynch doing a Bonnet story, which is really funny. That's interesting. I don't know. Have you ever seen the Straight Story? I never have, but it seems to me that would yeah, also I, I, be. That, I don't. For want of a better way of putting, it, I don't get the Vonnegut there. Oh really? Huh. Okay. All right. I mean, I haven't watched it, so I'm like, I don't know. I feel like if ever there was a Vonnegut story, it's like an old guy getting on his lawnmower and riding across America. You know, but. Anyway, does not matter. Does not matter. Thank you, Graham. Uh, I want to say that there was something that I watched that I could recommend to you, but I don't know if that's true. Don't know if that's true. <laughs> You're like, but maybe not. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, Jim, yes. We should start to wrap things up. Absolutely, Graham. But Absolutely. before we do that, uh-huh. uh, I do want to ask, because I brought it up before, are we doing drug next week or are we waiting a week? Whatnots, the background to this is Jeff and I have raised this this right. point like mm-hmm. behind the scenes and we never actually came to a decision because we basically kicked it forward to, well, we see how much, how tired we are by work this week. Right. And like not to, to get into it, but like I'm not so much tired by work, although I, I am, but I feel like the rest of this week yeah. kind of knocked me over. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Whereas I was kind of getting it on both ends in that way. I yes, think so. Do you want to wait a week and then? Yeah, do yeah. Weeks, let's do that. So we'll do a skip week coming up, and then in two weeks we'll be here. Drock reading volume twenty, right? It's volume twenty one because it turns out I can't count. Oh, perfect. I mean, the thing that's so crazy is thanks to the um, doing the restricted files. Like I literally, I mean, I've got to look up every episode number these days anyway but when i just when i'm mixing it to send to you i'm like shit this is 21 no 22 no 19 no no we're reading volume 19 but it's drock 21 or whatever it's going to be drock 24 (laughs) we're reading volume 21 (laughs) Ah! (laughs) 
look, the best part is you get to keep track of that. I think we exactly. Just, I'm the one who edits this. I'm the one who has to keep track of it. I just have you to name you don't it. Don't have something. to give a thought. I will I, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be a point where I'll just stop naming them when I put them in the raw files. So, uh, yes. So next week, skip week, two weeks from now, drop an episode that Jeff will not number. And um, Graham, do you do you want to start putting in the closing comments? I feel like there's yes. something. Yes, is, go. Is, is there something else we should be doing? I don't know. I feel like there's something else that I'm like, oh, Graham, you were supposed to tell me about blank. But I, I don't, I don't I'm know sure what that I is. Yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll, like, we'll get to either when we start recording, because that wouldn't be the first time that's happened, or in the next episode. Right. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, why not? Uh, I haven't updated them in, in this year to do that joke but we have uh tumblr at waitwhatpod.tumblr.com we have an instagram at instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod uh we have a twitter account at waitwhatpodcast jeff has a twitter account at lazybassid at l-a-z-y-b-a-s-t-i-d i I have a twitter account at graham m at g-r-a-e-m-e-m we are also a patreon supported podcast which means jeff gets to do a little bit about patreon right now hey you guys uh honestly you're great uh, so breezy and insincere. I feel like one of the last times but I talked it. about this. I do. I do. I feel like I was. It might be making up for the fact that I was uh, like almost uh, pathetically uh, sincere at the last one. But I really do continue to be so grateful for the opportunity to talk to Graham, to talk about comics, to have a, a little forum to to hold forth on, and also get to hear from you guys like there's just been a lot of great stuff um i I really again in this bad like i don't do prep which makes it terrible but believe me the threads over at waitwhatpodcast.com are you know worth their weight in gold a bunch of people contributed their best of lists and it's worth going and and taking a look graham can you hear me yes i can Okay, good. I looked over and my computer screen had gone black and I'm like, No, what happened? I and I don't I don't know what happened. But I was afraid by squiggling around I had like managed to pull a cord or something. Well I can still hear you. I don't know if it's recording, but I promise you, I can still hear you. Okay, well that's fine. That's excellent. Uh, so <laughs> I, I will probably were, edit that were part saying, You were saying that everything is, like, you're very happy to be doing it, and the threads over at Wait Well Podcast were, are were great. great. Yeah, you guys are great. And it, so it it is, I continue to appreciate how much energy I get from doing this podcast. And, and I also want to thank the people from Patreon who not only give us their energy but also a little bit of their hard-earned dosh uh and that makes a that makes a huge difference i gotta tell you the volume five of the collected greedo packs is uh on sale on comiXology online wine sale which means that instead of paying fifty dollars for a digital volume i i paid 24.99 which is oh it's half price yeah, half price. Half price. Don't be wrong. Twenty four ninety nine still feels expensive digitally, but still. Yeah, digitally it really does. At that point, I practically feel like ah, it's like uh, couldn't I have just bought a William Gibson story that erased itself? You know, for that kind of money. But so I, I, that and that that is that ain't hey. That's super great to be able to kind of live a little. Also, this the 
the art of savage sort of conan is on sale in that marvel max sale and i almost pulled the trigger on it for 9.99 and i gotta tell you I, then i was like eh, it's it's like 200 pages that's not that's uh but on sale for four bucks especially with the last of my gift card i was like i'm loving this i'm loving this so much um I feel like this is somehow turning into a comicsology ad more than an actual. <laughs> anyway, comicsology. If you want to sponsor us, then go to town. Oh my god, that would be. I would. I want to say one of the smartest picks, but considering how much I complained about them being jackasses for the fact that Graham literally during this sale, three books, three books on my wish list, and I don't have a very big wish list on my comicsology wish list went on sale. I got zero notifications. Meanwhile, I did get a notification that a new volume of the manga that I stopped buying three years ago is out. And I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, literally, it is so... There goes that sponsorship team. (laughs) Yeah. Also, January 14th, the Scott Pilgrim video game from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World gets re-released for the Nintendo Switch uh, and on Steam. And I'm very excited to buy that because I never got to buy it or play it when it first came out. Um, So that's great. People who are into it, there is a... uh, The the game company that put together the re-release specializes in doing physical copies. So... If you want some new Brian Lee O'Malley art, as well as stickers, as well as a Scott Pilgrim video game, um, holy shit, they've got some amazing stuff that they are taking pre-orders for for the digital copies starting on January 14th, I think. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Does that have anything to do with Patreon? No, it doesn't. Other than the fact that the even though times are tight and things are dark, I have been, it's been like, well, I do have enough money left over from the Patreon after other stuff's gone there that maybe I can pick up this Scott Pilgrim game. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for continuing to listen to us. I really am going to have to edit this down because I just tell that I've moved off into <laughs> rambling assholeville. <laughs> I think you should leave all this in for real. There will be a show tonight on trampoline. Take it, Graham. Leave that part in. (laughs) Leave that part in. (laughs) Anyway, we thank you. Especially want to give a big shout out to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for continuing to keep us safe and protected. What those words mean in these days i don't really know but i'm nonetheless convinced that audrey is doing her best and we thank you for that graham i look i hope jeff does not edit down what he has just said (laughs) it was it it was a journey friends and and i want to go on the same journey i just went on uh we're going to be back in two weeks and we are going to be doing a drug where we're talking about judge dread the complete case files volume 21 and not judge dread titan but i'm just going to like send psychic Mm. messages to jeff to Mm. see if i can get him to to jump ahead just once Mm. just once uh anyway we'll talk to you in two weeks other than that bye